another episode of Wampa Radio. This is episode XVI. Uh, the Roman Empire is strong in this uh, in this podcast. But again, this is a podcast that focuses on Star Wars card gaming with a heavy emphasis on unlimited F by FFG. Now, I have to think because like this this kind of as we embarked on this journey many moons ago. Mm-hmm. We were specifically a Star Wars Unlimited podcast, but I think like Charmer and I, over the course of like ten or so episodes, we just could not, we couldn't do it. And now that you're here, Doa, I think it's just oh. we're just Star Wars card gaming. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a, a fair. Well, we talk about the old Decipher CCG like every single episode, so obviously that's an ever-present thing. And I didn't get to play Destiny because I was living in Korea at the time, and and there was no scene for that there and and obviously i could have bought in cards but i would have had no one to play with so i just kind of missed the boat on that one um and then other star wars card games like i never played young jedi i had zero i had like a vendetta against the hasbro uh, tcg the star wars tcg that came out because they ruined the decipher one you know it's because of them that decipher you know <laughs> couldn't continue their beautiful wonderful card game so i never played that one out of spite but this one star wars unlimited the new probably superior star wars tcg i'm very excited about so yeah it's a dangerous thing that you went down because when you're talking about how hasbro was the one who essentially shoved the blade in there's so much that we all know about that we won't get into about really (laughs) the (laughs) the at the time we all thought it was hasbro's fault and i'm not saying that they are guilt-free but okay there was a little well, anyway. hive of scum and villainy that was going on. A hive of scum and villainy. That is a great way to put it. Let All me right. have my my simple vendettas, please. You you can have them. We'll All allow right. this. That's good. They did bring back Hero Quest though, so you know, <laughs> I guess it's okay. It's fine. I guess. Water under the bridge, Hasbro. Sure. I mean, yeah. the Empire only uh, destroyed X amount of planets and civilizations, but their uniforms are really cool, so we're giving them a pass. The Empire, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kerrigan you Listen, know, slaughtered billions across the galaxy, but gee dang it, Jimmy Rayner's going to love her anyway. <laughs> fired up. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, that's we're, my We're girl. still in the intro, and this is almost one of those moments <laughs> where I feel like I should hit the button. However, I'm going to derail us further, and I just need to All say right. something. In in fantasy uh, media, whether it's science fantasy, uh, traditional fantasy, whatever, I don't think there's been a franchise beyond Star Wars that has emphasized how important fashion is because there are so many characters that people fall in love with in Star Wars solely because they have a cool outfit. Like, when you think about how dumb Boba Fett really is objectively and if you're a big Boba Fett fan I'm sorry but like when he's, you think about him from, cool character I'm when sorry. you think about like yeah. what he does he has like almost no lines in the original trilogy and he like Thank does you. the weird rocket thing in the background he doesn't do anything cool like let's be honest yes. not that impressive yes. in the original trilogy but yes. cool outfit and sold a lot of toys and thus just a fan favorite and he's not the only one like let's be honest star wars has so many characters that we have fallen in love with because they had a great wardrobe and so oh my i know that we're still in the intro but i just needed when you said something about uh (laughs) that i was like yeah we have to talk about this this is you have no idea how happy you've made me (laughs) for years for years i've been saying the same thing boba fett (laughs) is set dressing that got wildly out of control like he is 
he he does all the things you just said. He's really not that cool of a character. He's just known for disintegrating people, which he doesn't get to do. And then he just falls in the Sarlacc pit. You know, it's it's like he's accidentally killed. Well, I guess he wasn't killed because Book of Boba Fett, but he should have stayed in there. But uh, I, I digress. Thank you so much for being another uh, Boba Fett uh, denier. The Mandalorian is so much cooler than Boba Fett. Come on. Uh, uh, look, I appreciate I, you. I have, a fr- I have a friend of mine who, again, will be very happy that you said this because there's so much, there's such a... <laughs> A uh, again, this is the longest intro that we have no, ever done. <laughs> okay, my editing template is gonna is completely off now, but it's all good. So it's good okay. stuff, though. This is good stuff. It is great stuff, but th- it's just fascinating that you should say that because you're right. He showed up dressed in like pots and pans. He looked like a complete idiot. Then he gets he he does the whole like Keystone Cops move of like ah, then he smashes into the side of it, and then he like Greg Luganus dives into the mouth of a Sarlacc pit like a complete buffoon, and. And somehow, somehow, he had this cult following all the way from like the the eighties up until now. What the hell? And when Book of Boba Fett was announced, and or when he made his first of all, when he made his reappearance in the Mandalorian season two, it was incredible because he showed up. He he beat the piss out of a whole bunch of stormtroopers. He used the rocket on his back. He used that little aiming thing. He looked like a complete badass. And then he was like, no, but we have to make sure that, you know, there's a transit system in this scummy town and I have to make sure that everybody has a pension. And it's like, who are you? And then I'm going to destroy the city anyway with my pet rancor. That that made that. Well, that show was bad aside from the two Mandalorian. Yeah, it's as bad as the original Boba Fett. So it's fitting. I was hoping that book of boba fett would just be like six episodes of us watching him be slowly digested by the sarlacc but (laughs) you know maybe next time we can always do a remake i guess you know i want to be clear i'm not immune to this either i'll be honest before i saw (laughs) before i saw episode seven i was all in on the captain phasma train because that was some cool ass stormtrooper armor the full chrome outfit i was like all right this is my this is the moment you know (laughs) cold foil stormtroopers yeah Yeah, everybody likes the foil version yeah that's but then she speaking of characters didn't really get to do anything Wow. A great great actor as well playing her oh but uh yeah she just kind of which I, her name escapes me but she played brienne of tarth gwendolyn christie yes gwendolyn christie yeah great great actor but uh she just didn't get to do much but then again that whole storyline they were just like ah the finn stuff the phasma stuff it's like ah just kind of just kind of end it i Look. guess there were so oh, you're getting me started on the sequels. I know, that's again. what I'm Don't saying. Do this. That's Don't a, do this. that is like a, a whole we should have like an addendum episode. Like every week we should honestly just get together and just beef out a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> that we're mad about, of which the sequels will probably be a lot of it. Because you're right, Phasma came out like a, a bat out of hell as a really cool character, like the Boba Fett of the sequel trilogy. And then the same fate just fell into a hole. Like that was, that Maybe was, she's fine. Who knows? Maybe we'll have Book of she Phasma. She will be. She's not being digested. She <laughs> totally okay. She was not burned alive at all. I, I still stand yeah. by that Mace Windu's not dead. I, I also mean, agree. Anything that you don't look, it's the same kind of cinematic is trope. anyone dead? That's is it. anyone dead these days yeah. in the Star Wars movies? I mean, they even say, you know, no, no one's really gone in the in the sequels. It's like, but the thing is, is, you know, a lot of times for a narrative to be good, people need to go. Yeah. Like there needs to oh, be absolutely. real consequence to things. So, and so the only reason I stand by my Mace Windu weird theory is that uh, in those prequels, the, you also have 
uh, Yoda says the line, or somebody says the line about Yoda, sorry, Palpatine says the line about Yoda after he's left. Mm -hmm. If there's no body, he's still alive. And we never saw the body of Mace. And the yeah. fact that we've also never seen him like reshow up as a force ghost tells me, dude, still out there somewhere, like in my mind. I, I feel like he would have been ripe for making more yeah. force ghost cameos. And, and I'll tell you, after Secret Invasion, I would much, much rather see Sam Jackson come back as Mace Windu than ever see him again as Nick Fury because that show was terrible. And and here's the beauty. Because we already know uh, from Secret Invasion that he is willing to romance aliens, he's perfect for coming back to Star Wars. <laughs> and what, what alien species would you have Mace Windu hook up with? I'm just curious. Twilight. Uh, hands down, Twilight. That's the easy answer. Of course, you, that's no, fine. No, it's no, easy no. for it, a reason. If, if he if he's not mouth to mouth in a Mon Calamari, like I don't <laughs> with the gills going, like I could die. We we don't have to even break apart. We just breathe <laughs> through a, our gills. It's a trap. <laughs> oh God! All right. Speaking of which, look. Uh, like to answer your question, uh, Doa, wow. like are we ever really dead? Yes, inside all three of us apparently. <laughs> yeah. So we are old, crusty. You, know, you want to know what's really Wars. dead? <laughs> this intro. Yes. Uh, we should revive no. it. We should resuscitate. The greatest. Okay. So here's. I'll read my line now. <laughs> On the show, we dig into the headlines, strategies, and discussion points that you want to hear about in the Star Wars card gaming world. Perfection. Thank you for reading yeah. that says. verbatim. You're welcome. Yeah. Today's episode will reveal the anatomy of a swoo pack and discuss oh. what this potentially means for pricing and other aspects of the game. First, however, we have the Wampa Cave Pole of the Week. All right. So. The train is not only off the rails, it's in another dimension right now, but we will uh, try to re-coordinate ourselves because you're right, Charber, it is the Wampa Cave Poll of the Week that you can catch every Sunday at Wampa Radio on Twitter. This week's question was, of course, controversial because we did not <laughs> take... they got it wrong. No, well, that mm -hmm. partially. Now I'm about to be angry about this as well. I'm just I'm letting you know right now. Well, yeah, everybody's everybody was like again, like the and I I I even specifically worded which of these is your favorite is to create some sort of parentheses around this question. Otherwise, which of these large scale battles is your favorite? The options were. Uh -huh. The Battle of Yavin, the Death Star run, the Death Trench run, etc. The Battle of Scarif. Are we blind? Deploy the garrison. The Battle of, en uh, of Endor. Your, uh, oh, there's Yub Yub, exactly. Um, your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. And finally... The Battle of Crate, which is, I'm trying to think of a line from that, which would be... Uh, There's only one line that you need to know from that that one. Salt. <laughs> I think that's yeah, it. Well, more. it's salt. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, war isn't about fighting the people we hate. It's about uh, loving the people we love. Or oh, whatever right. it is. Protecting the people we love or something like oh, that. Yeah. So, I mean, she just ran a ship into the, into Finn. Like she, she could have killed them both very easily. Finn? Why would anyone do that? Well, Finn and he was about to just, he was about to have a, a, a nice end to his arc, making the noble sacrifice. Someone who was running away. That was kind of his, his character, you know, theme that he was trying to overcome and, you know, finally giving his life valiantly. And he is denied his heroic death. By by uh, you know Rose who 
has a bit of a crush on him, but uh, that doesn't uh, prevent her from possibly offing them both in a uh, not-so-tragic uh, space. Not a spaceship, really. Space skiff, salt skiff. What would you call it? Air, what, I don't know. What are it, those things? I, I, I don't know either. I, thing I just think of more. Like, when I think of the Battle of Crate, all I imagine is the gif I always see of Kylo Ren shouting more, right? Like, <laughs> more! They're, they're just sending all the firepower they can at Luke, and he's just more so intense, and that's that's all I mm. All I see every time. No, I, I think that what you're... What about the, the Battle of Hoth, man? Well, that's... Okay, so we got Naboo was like a write-in. We got Hoth, etc. I didn't pick Hoth because I thought it was like just an easy easy pick for well, all of us here. It wasn't much of a battle either, to be fair. It was kind of just the Emperor rolling up and or the Empire rolling up and just kind of stomping literally on the rebels that was that was a pretty one-sided yeah, but we have like some of the cool yeah. memorable sequences of like tying up the ATATs oh, totally. and luke you know cutting the belly open of the one and tossing grenades in and like there was some cool stuff there for some reason i just had this mental image of, of luke like cutting open the torso of jet lee from that one movie from the <laughs> early 2000s the one <laughs> the one throwing a grenade <laughs> yeah into well <laughs> like, wow, as i was saying cutting open i remember the, <laughs> As I was saying, cutting open the belly of it, all I was imagining was the Tauntaun scene, but yeah. instead he lobs a grenade. He <laughs> <laughs> lobs a grenade in the Tauntaun? What is wrong with you? Hold First, on, I'll warm you by exploding this Tauntaun. <laughs> all right, so uh, as always, let's go through what each of us picked. How about you, Charmer? What was your selection? Uh, Battle of Scarif, which is, in my opinion, just objectively the right answer. It is, I, I think, the best Star Wars action sequence in in all of the films but i wow. i will admit i have a strong bias toward rogue one i think that that film is fantastic but everything about that sequence was what i wanted out of a, a newer generation star wars film because that was the first time i felt like what they described as warfare felt like warfare like that that sequence uh for scarif feels like a war film that's in the star wars universe and i don't think that really any other sequences captured it as well as that since so i i'll admit my bias but battle scare for sure i think i think that's a great choice uh it wasn't the choice i made but i can't i can't say that's the wrong choice i mean man i still remember sitting in the theater with rogue one and like you know kind of wondering to myself like isn't the fleet supposed to be showing up and then like you're you know you're on board the x-wing as it comes out of hyperspace and the music plays and you're like oh it's just one ship where's everything else and then boom, boom, everything comes in and you're like oh nerd chills all over and i was like for you know it's it's not i don't really care that much about nostalgia i i really don't you know i like when things are you know new and innovate on things and all in a good way obviously um but uh but for a moment in the theater i was like eight years old again you know watching like the battle of endor which is the one i picked and it's because it's, it's the battle of endor but uh you know for that moment in rogue one i really you know i think for the only time in my life i was like transported back to like my kid self just overwhelmed with the awesomeness of a, awesomeness of a Star Wars space battle, right? But um, that said, Battle of Scarif was very good. Um, but I did pick Battle of Endor. It is just the quintessential Star Wars battle. You have three conflicts going at the same time. Um, you know, you've got you know the very important conflicts across the board. All of our main characters are in jeopardy. You've got like such incredible um, visual effects for a movie that came out in 1983 with that amount of ships on the screen you know i mean that still looks good today so yeah i mean just for everything uh, uh everything about it i picked the the endor one it's a good and then, uh 
I will say uh, I had uh, R.I.P. in Peace original ending song for Return of the Jedi. Uh, I miss your Ewok singing chorus. Yeah, that see, is. See, that's it was great. That's why I didn't pick Endor. I think Endor loses to Scarif because I I really enjoy two of the three fronts. I am vehemently oh, really? against Ewoks. Uh, I dislike oh. everything about them. I, I wow. don't like that. See, I, even as a kid, I, I did not like them. The, the the teddy bear thing, the like fake weird native, like why are they about to eat Han? Now they're friends with him. Like, I don't know, man. It just never vibed with me. It's supposed to be like, you know, the emperor's best troops and they're getting beat up by like sticks and trees and, you know, the forest. Like it just didn't sit well with me. I, I was not an Ewok fan. So I mean, you're not wrong, but and, and this was even like I young me. Like I, I remember being viscerally well. angry watching <laughs> oh, wow. the Ewoks. <laughs> wow. That is quite the response. I <laughs> I enjoyed it. And and because I enjoyed it, I'm OK with with, you know, the the generation that came after me saying they enjoyed the prequels because I'm like, all right, if you're that age and you're seeing this, you're, you're going to have a fondness for that. I, I like the Jedi. I like the Ewoks. I like everything about it. Don't like what they did in Special Edition, but I, I liked everything from the original film. So so I get it. I what's, get it. I'm, what's, a, I'm an Ewok enjoyer. What what's fascinating about what you said about like the fact that the prequels, you know, upon review, I actually, um, yesterday I was editing my Flesh and Blood spoiler card video. And it's, Ooh. yeah, well, by the time this gets published, the video will have been released. It releases, I think, tomorrow or something. But the the whole premise is that the card is it it, it essentially um, portrays like an imperial secure not an imperial. I'm already a robotic security force is what it kind of embodies. So Wait, I was. Is this a spoiler of a spoiler for your spoiler card? It is kind of. Yeah, I guess. Oh but God. by the time that this is getting published on the Saturday, oh. that video will already have been published. So if you want to oh. see what that video is, you can go to uh, Instant Speed Podcasts and see that spoiler video. But hmm. it what I did was I I did like I took some cool music and I put in scenes and clips of an imposing robotic security force. So obviously there was like K2SO stuff, but part of it that I that I put in there was the Battle of Naboo where the Trade Federation landing ships were sort of, you know, they were un, unpacking all the battle droids and they were all just kind of like, rah, 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 and they started marching in unison. And I was like, that is such an imposing thing. I can see why this upon review, you know, the the like i don't i don't mind jar jar binks but what i thought that jar jar binks did for that particular battle was just sullied it because if it was just gungans versus droids i think that was gonna be an incredible battle but then it just became like a slapstick comedy act and i that and that's why i kind of didn't want to put naboo on here so i had to put something that was like prequel or sequel so i put in the battle of Krite. and when you're talking about how finn was gonna go and just nosedive into that massive cannon and really possibly just etch his himself and his legacy as being a hero that move always reminds me of that scene from independence day when that crop dusting pilot just goes right up the pipe of that big mothership and just destroys it and i was like he was gonna have that moment he was gonna say yeah. like I'm home or I'm back. And he just goes up there. But no, uh, Rose 
unfortunately. I love that when she's saying her line, too, you see them, like, blow the door open of the rebel stronghold, and you're like, well, <laughs> you certainly didn't protect the rest of the rebels, I guess. But, you know, and, and I do I do have to say that, like, I hated hearing that people were, like, harassing the the actor that, that played her. You know, that, like, that bothers me greatly. You should not do that, for the record. Criticize the character, not 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 the person, you know, playing them who had to read those lines as a job. But, uh, but yeah, that was... I criticize the writing, okay. uh, perhaps, or the direction of it, but that's a whole mm. different story. All right, so I chose the Battle of Scarif as well because I thought, like what Charber says, it, encapsula it encapsulates a ground invasion, uh, you know, a ground assault as well as this crazy space battle that implements all kinds of, like, there's the dogfighting of the of the you know the the starfighters there's the bombing runs there's the ingenuity of using the, the hammerhead ships and it also really drove home some of the more you know visceral and tangible elements of these ships like how durable are they are they well you had a hammerhead corvette push a disabled imperial star destroyer into another star destroyer and it's just like this these cool ideas the the desperation of warfare where it doesn't matter what we spend as long as we get out of here alive which was kind of the idea or the 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 constant um sentiment that i got from that entire engagement which was they will do whatever the hell it takes because everything's on the line here and that's that's why i chose scarif um here are the results for everybody who is who uh, stayed with us through that that introduction uh, <laughs> to the episode, the Battle of Endor won with forty point seven percent. Second place was Scarif at thirty four point six percent. The Battle of Yavin uh, surprisingly is only a third place option, but I think they're all great, which is a mm -hmm. testament to great storytelling. But at nineteen point eight percent, Crate. Whoever voted for Crate, well, congratulations. That's brave of you i think there was like two or three of you 4.9 percent is where that lands i would be curious it, where hoth would show up on here it was just adam driver more like, <laughs> more, votes. Just, like, more votes <laughs> uh, let me go. ask let me ask you both this if if hoth was on here would you vote for hoth depends on Maybe. what it was over i i would personally i would still pick scarif over hoth but for me, like I said, Scarif more than any other sequence in Star Wars felt like an actual battle, like mm -hmm. like a traditional war movie feel, but in the Star Wars universe, which is, you know, something that I I always wanted and I felt like it was lacking. We always see things through the eyes of the Jedi and I get it like they're part of like the Star Wars mythos, you know, but it felt nice to have an entire sequence where it's not about the person with the lightsaber for a change, right? It's, it's the grunts and the ground troops and the pilots and the spies. Right. And that, I don't know, it's very unique to me as far as an experience. And so it's hard for me to not pick that as my favorite, even if Hoth is there and I love Hoth. Yeah. I think Hoth is, I, I might go with Hoth actually. Cause like I said before, it's not much of a battle, but at the same time, like, I think my my the entire like my entire love of like mecha and stuff like that that I've had throughout my whole life is due to like that first shot of those ATSDs coming across the plane and you're like, holy crap! As a kid, you like you can't even, I, I my brain had not even comprehended of uh, such a thing existing. So then suddenly seeing this, you know, in a, in a very realistic way, you know, back in like when the late '80s, I guess when I saw it the first time, probably when I was like, you know, five or six years old or something. 
um, like, yeah, that had like a permanent effect on me and like what I, what media I was interested in. So, uh, I might go with Hoth just for the effect it had on, on me, but I think Endor is still the better battle objectively. All right. That's well, a good question. I would have sticked with, uh, with Scarif. We do have headlines, uh, not many, but there are some to get through of which, frankly, it's uh, leading into what the topic of this episode will be, which is going to be the packs and the contents and how that affects things. But uh, let's talk about the article that was released about the packs. You guys can go check out the Star Wars Unlimited official website. There's an article there that breaks down a lot of it, but we're going to get into it. So maybe we can save you a click. Uh, and that article uh, was the precursor to a very brief stream, but FFG had a stream about the pack contents, which happened on the 20th of September. It was uh, done by Josh Massey, the organized play program manager, Danny Schaefer, who uh, <laughs> I'm going to put up a picture of him that I screenshotted because he was looking deep into the camera lens like he was about to <laughs> chew your soul up. Uh, Danny Schaefer Whoa. is an imposing character, I will say. He had this, like, he looked like he was... I haven't seen this picture. Um, I, wait, Let me let me wait. add it to the... I'm going to add it to our little is private this, chat here. Is this a Freudian slip? Did I mishear you for a moment there? Why? What what happened? Well, because his name is Danny Schaefer, but I swear I heard you just call him Daddy Schaefer. I didn't, but... It, the way that I heard Danny, but take a look because I just I just put the picture in our in our common chat here. But does this not look like who should be sitting on Jabba's throne instead of this? Fe it's Fe like this is his audition to be an American Eagle model or something like this, that. This, this is if Killian Murphy were an American Eagle model. Like this oh, is Scarecrow yeah. in the summer catalog. There you go. Just right straight out of the Jay days. Peterman catalog. He's he's using the force. He, he's trying to say you will buy this card game. It's working. Uh, finally, it's working. <laughs> the the other person there was there was Jeremy Zwern, uh, who is the senior game designer. So that was uh, the stream was great. I mean, we're gonna dig into a lot of it, but I mean, the headlines were are essentially what we're gonna be diving into for the most part. Next FFG stream September twenty second, which twenty uh, seventh rather, which will be talking about products. Another interesting one, but this one was the one I think that was most on our minds yeah well we already know one of the products they've announced a two-player set uh we already know that there are booster packs and i would imagine boxes that contain them but uh, but what other products i i'm curious if there's anything else maybe they haven't shown yet i mean we know about the game genic partnership as well so oh, yeah yeah the, the gear yeah it's possible that they have even more stuff uh you know, I heard, for example, when I was at Gen Con that they have uh, additional stuff coming through GameGenic that they might not necessarily have, like, published because I was asking about stuff like playmats and things like that. So perhaps they're also going to show off some of that stuff that will be available at launch. I, I could see them still having a few things yet to reveal, but I'm mostly just excited to find out about, like, the other half. Obviously, here in this episode, we're about to talk about pack contents, but... I want to know, okay, how many, you know, packs definitively come in a box? I think uh, they might have said 24 on stream, but I was at work when I was watching. I was doing two things at once, so I, I might have also just hallucinated that. I, I fully admit it. Um, but even still, like, you know, how many boxes in a case, et cetera, et cetera, because I want to know how bad my wallet is going to be suffering. Very, very much is my. Uh, I would suspect. Yeah. I would suspect it's twenty-four in a box, mainly because that's the magic number for sealed, and it's the magic number for 
uh, draft pods and such. Yeah. So that's got to be, in my opinion, unless they have a different idea of how they want to do sealed and draft. Maybe it is like a, I don't know, 36 or whatever, but I don't know, whatever. I'm not a doctor. That's not my, that's not my business. Let's, uh, let's get into the, the, the delicious stuff, which is card spoilers yeah. and, Charmer, you got a double dose of essentially your favorite character, so I'll, we'll let you kick it off and end it. Is that fair? Is that what you want to do? Sabine! We've, we finally got Sabine Wren, uh, a leader. So uh, as of recording this, you know we had not yet discussed the leader card for Sabine Wren. This is the heroism aggression leader. She has a fantastic action that you can do once per turn, which is you deal one damage to each base. And I love the kind of recklessness that this promotes, the kind of feel that this card, you know, generates because you're just saying, I want to be aggressive. Even if it's at my own detriment, the entire point is I'm going to burn everything down, right? I'm bringing the explosives. And if I get, you know, caught in the collateral, so be it. Now, the epic action is when you have four or more resources, in which case, obviously, she becomes the leader unit. So this is a four-cost unit with a 2-5 stat line, is a Mandalorian rebel, also has the specter tag, which is important, and we'll talk about why a little bit later. But on attack, then deals one damage to each enemy base. So a little bit of a change because the... Action itself is to each base, whereas this is each enemy. And I do love that they are still kind of opening up the multiplayer potential right out of the gate, right? Because it's each enemy, not just an enemy base. Uh, I I dig everything about this. I love the art. Uh, I will say that, you know, again, as we potentially get alternate art versions of cards uh, in the future, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I would love to see some stuff with Sabine where they play with her personality a bit. And I'd like to see uh, different armor markings, different hair colors and styles, because that's kind of one of her characteristics, right? She's kind of always changing up her look and her own identity. And so I think it'd be really cool if they reflected that in some of the artwork as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think her ability is a uh, very topical considering the last uh, couple episodes of, uh, of Ahsoka without getting uh, into it too much. But she definitely does. Both sides potentially at times, but uh, yeah, it's a neat ability. It's pure aggression, right? And I mean, we have yet to have the kind of big reveal the way we did for some of the other aspects on aggression, but I'm very curious to see how this leader in particular will interact with the rest of, of the cards from that aspect, right? Um, she's got five health which is uh, quite a bit of health. So I kind of wonder if there's something that can be played with there when she becomes a, a leader unit. Obviously, it's just there to make her a bit more durable. But, you know, those other things that we know interact with that, uh, you know, can she be given grit? Can she be given this or that? You know, we'll we'll kind of wait and see. But, uh, but yeah, need to see another character come in. I'm kind of more new to, like, knowing about this character because I haven't, you know, finished Rebels. I haven't, I've only watched, like, the first two seasons. I was never really, like, into the animated stuff uh, as much. But, uh I mean, hey, cool character in Ahsoka, so... What I like about what go. she does, and again, being such a, a bastion of the aggression tag, she basically embodies what that, I would imagine, that when we find out next month what aggression's all about. But the fact that the base itself, like, the fact that you can just go right out of the gate and say, oh, actually, we're starting at 29 health, or we're starting at 24 health, or whatever, or and then every turn, you're basically... 
um, you're basically shaving the game clock by a little bit on both sides. And that's perfectly fine because if you're playing an aggression list, if you're playing aggro, oftentimes aggro will falter when your opponent, be it mid-range, control, whatever, can eventually stabilize when they can put the, their bigger things that may cost more onto the board. And oftentimes aggro will not cross the finish line, but they'll come damn close. They'll be like, oh man, if I only had three or four extra damage that I could have found somewhere, if, or, you know, if, if we didn't start at 30 health, if we started at 25 health, I would have got there. That's kind of what she's trying to do here is every turn, we're just going to tick one, tick one, tick one, and get closer to an end game, which these aggression lists will be better suited to, to get to faster uh, than what a mid-range deck might do or a control deck might do. Yeah, I wonder if there's something out there that's like, you know, when you damage a base or an enemy base, do X. I wonder if there's cards out like that that might uh, interact with it in a way. I'm looking through the other heroism cards right now, too, just to see um, what else is out there. And and the, thing, the interesting thing about heroism being sort of like the rebel aspect, quote unquote, is that there's just a, a little bit of everything in there. There's a decent amount of buffing. There's a decent amount of, like, plus stuff and experience tokens flying around. But there's also just, like, a little bit of everything. A little bit of saboteur, a little bit of ambush, which is kind of rebel-esque, right? I mean, they've kind of cobbled together a winning solution from a lot of different things. So so I do like that. So she'll have options to, you know, play in a, a few different ways, it seems like. But, again, I, I think we got to really wait and see what aggression has for us before we really kind of understand how this you know leader sort of fits into the grand scheme of things in the set but we did get a leader and that's exciting we also got a right. brand new upgrade i like the upgrades uh, in my opinion i think that they're the coolest of the cards for the most part but this is a uh two cost command upgrade it's called hard point heavy blaster it provides plus two on attack plus two on the body it is a modification, a weapon, and it's attached to a vehicle unit. Attached unit gains on attack. If this unit isn't attacking a base, you may, you may deal two damage to a unit in, its, uh, in the defender's arena. So if you're attacking a unit, this thing could just come out guns blazing and snipe something to the left of it, snipe something to the right. Uh, you know, it, it kind of just peppers it. It could also just do an additional two damage to whatever you're attacking right uh so i really like this card i think that the one aspect to cost of it uh and the stat buff along with the, the 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 game text is very above rate and at but then again we're saying this a lot maybe everything is just really tuned i mean like we're we're coming from hmm. so many card games where paying two for a plus two plus two with like this kind of ability is really really dang good but if everything's like that it's one of those the same kind of concept of if everything's op then nothing's op so uh i guess in the uncommon slot this might be this might be uh what you get for an uncommon upgrade but i'm i'm thinking of this from a from a limited perspective this is going to be a highly coveted draftable card and in constructed maybe i mean if you're playing vehicles i th i can definitely see that this is something you'd want to include oh yeah i mean uh it's it does seem very good for an uncommon i was thinking kind of that thing too and i like the idea of doing damage to something else something other than what you're attacking but uh charmer you brought up a really good point when we were discussing this uh just in our chat a couple days ago that uh, you were saying that you saw it as a way to sort of like pop shields before the damage from whatever it's on comes in right yeah, you can use it to pop shields. The other very nice bit here is that it's on attack is when you deal the two damage. 
and the on attack part will resolve before they enter combat essentially so you can also use this to attack into units that just naturally have low health and clean them up and then it will kind of give the pseudo first strike right so they might have something that you know it was a bigger unit to start but it's down to two health right maybe it was you know an 8-8 eight, eight, mm -hmm. it's taken six damage you can use this on a small vehicle but then attack into it or attack a different unit but even if it's the only one you can attack into it and it's going to be a one-way trade as well uh, i i mean i agree with both of you i think this is one of those cards that feels very strong for its cost specifically to and only a single aspect right it's mm -hmm. command so it can splash everywhere and on top of it you get the plus two plus two stat line and on top of that you get the on attack but there are some limiting factors right you do have to attach it to a vehicle so in limited you know are you going to have a bunch of vehicles in your sealed pool will you draft enough to make this worth it or do you have to draft the vehicles first and hope this you know runs it back to you that sort of thing the other things to consider is it is only uh the arena that the defender is in right so we've already seen some cards that i think you'll want to put an emphasis on in this game where they can be in one arena and still impact the other, right? Vader, uh, for the starter decks, is a great example. He can deal his two damage to the space arena if needed. This is limited to whichever one you deploy it in. So there's going to be those moments where, you know, you might only have vehicles in space, but you also might already have control of space, right? So this will still be worth getting the extra damage on a base potential. You get that plus two attack, but the full value might get lost. So there's actually a fair amount of nuance to this card, but it does feel incredibly strong in a vacuum for sure. I, I'm i kind of, uh, I, when I look at that, I, I kind of see a lot of power in the space arena for it, actually, uh, especially when it comes to the starfighters, right? The X-Wings, your, you know, ties that we've seen and all that kind of stuff. This can, you know, one shot or near one shot a lot of smaller ships. So I think it's got, you know, that potential too, where you just put it in the space arena and you start taking out multiple things theoretically and get some air dominance early on that way. Um, that said, uh, if you're playing with some of the bigger things, the Star Destroyers, the AT-ATs, the, even the AT-STs are a bit more on the pricey side, um, then this is going to come out at a point in the game where it's going to need to be a good card to be worth being played too. So I think it's got that kind of dual uh, aspect, for lack of a better term, to it, in that, uh, you know, it can be very good early on, I think, in a space way when you're pinging a lot of little things there from just based on the cards we've seen revealed so far. But it's also good enough that it'll still be playable late game um, when you've got some of that bigger stuff out there. It's interesting. And here's to, a, okay. I was, was going to say, it's just interesting to, to evaluate cards like uh, upgrades because it might be a one aspect card and you might think that that's quite liberating in terms of playing it but at the same time when you have to attach it to a specific type of unit that kind of counts almost as like a, a second aspect but yeah it's you attacks, know. yeah yeah all right uh next one wait, doa wait, oh yeah quick oh. question uh quiz for both of you uh what are we looking at here what what is the vehicle that this is naturally attached to atst i think so that's what it's look that's what it looks like to me do you do you agree disagree um charmer i mean i it, feel confident I, saying that it it looks I, that was my first thought was it looked like an atst the only thing now is 
you know, Eric's got me second guessing myself, but <laughs> no, it's an ATSD. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, All right. Well, you're the Boba on. Fett of this puck. I'm just, <laughs> no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, we're not going to say that about our friends. Wow. Oh, I would that's never harsh, say that. man. That's harsh. Telling your friend you want to have them slowly digested by a, but he didn't sand animal over a thousand, but I didn't. That's true. All right. Next Back, one. Uh, Anyway, moving on to a Vigilance Heroism character. Uh, it's Kanan Jarrus, Revealed Jedi. Uh, cost four. He's a four five Force Jedi Rebel Spectre. So uh, hits all the all the Rebels TV show stuff because he is one of the main characters, at least uh, in the first you know part of the Rebel show. Anyway, on attack, you may discard one card from the defending player's deck for each friendly Spectre unit. Heal one damage from your base for each different aspect among discarded cards. Now, that is that is interesting. That is a, he is an uncommon as well. Which again, this seems like a fairly strong uncommon. But you again, if you're going to get the full value from him, you're going to need to be leaning into a Specter deck, I would imagine, because and and Specter for you know it's that's the name of kind of like the the crew from Rebels, basically. If if I've got that right, so yeah, Sabine, Hera, um, Ezra. Chopper. Chopper, you know, obviously we've seen Sabine. You'd imagine those other characters are out there because they're they're part of it, right? Uh, who else? Would you include anyone else in there? My friend Zeb, Zeb, I Zeb. guess, would be another one. Yeah, um, I and there may be more. I don't know. I haven't finished Hondo? yet, but uh, I don't, oh, I don't no. know. I don't know who that is, but uh, or I forgotten or whatever. The pirate, but, uh, the wonderful pirate, no. yeah, the, the pirate who's oh, like yeah, the most yeah, annoying. Yeah. 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 Who has a no, great that... voice actor, by the way. Oh, he I does. Forced him out of my memory, actor. though. I forced him out of my memory, though. Gives you an idea of how it is. But uh, <laughs> by the way, I've always liked that Kanan Jarrus has that old school Jedi lightsaber with kind of like the wider hilt and all that. That That is pretty sick. Same with Balin's skull in uh, Ahsoka, you know? Mark of the, the older generation of Jedi. But uh, it seems like a strong card, obviously, if you get all the pieces in play. But the thing I, I'm most excited about with this card is that uh, it shows, you know, we talked either last episode or a couple episodes about uh, theme decks, right? Uh, things to build your deck around. And I like that this seems to say, hey, if you want to, you can make a Spectre deck. You can really play around that Rebels, uh, you know, show crew and, you know, base your strategy around what they do. So... That's uh, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see more theme stuff coming through because for me, that's 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 a fun thing in Star Wars, right? Is there's so many possible themes you can have. So glad to see one that's clearly supporting that. Uh, you know, you'd call it a tribe in Magic: The Gathering, I guess, but we'll call it theme in Star Wars, I suppose. That's that's what I wanted to uh, allude to as well. Is that we have seen things that work with like, oh, draw your Imperials or this or that. This is the first one I think that gives the real. Uh, the real feeling that you can have those kinds of tribal uh, tribals going. In this case, Spectre yeah. being the theme that you want to build around. And what's notable about this card too is you're thinking, well, what if I just have, like, what if I draft this or I don't have any other Spectres? Well, it still attacks and heals for at least, it'll still discard at least one because it counts itself as a Spectre. It'll still reveal a card. If you get a double aspect thing you're still healing too so you're still getting incredible value out of this you're still discarding and healing minimum one with this attacking for a four or five body as a four cost that's really that's very much above rate but that said like you mentioned we don't know if specter is going to be um 
a tier one list. I, I don't susp I don't suspect it will. Uh, usually these things are kind of traps where you just throw all the same uh, the same sort of tribal into a deck. But it doesn't mean that's not fun. It doesn't mean that doesn't appeal to the kitchen table crew who want to make the specter type decks. My commander deck in um, in Magic is a zombie themed deck. Is it ultra powerful? No, I just I just put together whatever zombies I had and made a hundred card commander deck with zombies because I, I just like the zombie theme in it. So I think that there's there's definitely appeal and a lot of people uh, and and this is something that I have fallen into very often and I have to watch myself when I talk about this stuff is that I have to see the game through the lens of not just my hyper competitive, you know, organized play world champion sort of viewpoint i have to look at it from the casual perspective from the players who just like star wars and want to play a game who want to build just specters or just imperials or just whatever so uh i like that they're digging into this this is the first sort of uh symptom of these kinds of tribal deck builds yeah it's very cool yeah there is absolutely a theme here and it scares me is it ponytails <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> this card is the first time where I've thought to myself, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Because it's not the theme of Spectre. I will definitely be that guy. I will have a Spectre deck. because Oh, it's no. It, me. Is it Jedi? This, no, no, no. Oh. It's the mill. Now, if you're new to oh. card games and you don't understand when I say the word mill, mill is an old reference that uh, the term comes from Magic the Gathering. There's a card called Millstone, where you would take the top two cards of your opponent's deck when you activated it, and they would have to discard them. Very similar to what Kanan is doing. The thing that makes me scared, the more I thought about it, because at first I was like, oh, this is kind of a neat way to you know, give you healing, but also, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of tension, a little bit of randomness. You know, what if I need to heal too, and I don't know if I'm going to do it, whatever. Mm -hmm. It gives you that payoff for building your own specter. But then I was thinking, and I said, you know, we've seen a lot of card draw revealed for this game. And I think that's a good thing overall. We've kind of talked about that, right? A command in particular has a lot of things that let you dig through your deck. We also know that we have a 50 card deck. We start with uh, six cards in hand, uh, but we also draw two cards per turn. So right out of the gate, you have a 22 turn clock for either player, just with the normal pace of the game. Now we have card draw. We have cards like Kanan and the legendary for the vigilance aspect. We know says, you know, one of the two things you can choose is discard the top six of an opponent's deck. And you can play three of those. <laughs> So that yeah. 44 cards that are going to start in your deck, because again, 50 cards, but you're going to draw six at the, the beginning, it will not be nearly as difficult as I think I originally thought to truly mill somebody. And that's just if you're running Vigilance and Kanan. We still have a lot of cards to get revealed. It's entirely possible that is a legitimate strategy for the Vigilance aspect. Uh, that's where I like the more I thought about it, I said, there's a theme here. Oh no! Well, <laughs> let, let, not looking like it. Let's look at let's look at some of the other things that vigilance does. Vigilance does restore very well. So if you're looking mm -hmm. to just even if it's just like okay, all my mill cards like Kanan and and vigilance, the legendary card are all gone. Well, now I just gotta wait you out because, like you said, you're drawing to a turn, etc. So I I tend to agree. I now on the train that we haven't seen cunning in the focal point. We haven't seen cards that shuffle cards back into your deck. So if Mill has a viable strategy and the games are going to be 
so hyperactive in terms of card draw, etc., and they're smaller deck sizes, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of contingency plan. There's got to be a silver bullet to this, and maybe it's something like cunning that will allow you to recover some cards out of the graveyard and recycle them back to maybe do you know do or be a little bit more resilient towards these types of mill decks. Now, I will say, I do like the design of Kanan specifically for the mill archetype, and I suspect if we do get more cards, they will be similar to him and less like Vigilance. Uh, I think there's a reason that Vigilance itself is a legendary. Uh, the reason that I like it is because at the end of the day, you are still board-centric, right? You're still playing a unit, and his thing triggers on attack. So you're playing a unit, and you're getting into the fray to advance your win condition, you know, whether that is damaging the base, whether that is milling cards, the entire point of uh, game design that I've seen from FFG so far is that they still want you to play units and get into combat, right? So uh, while I am having, you know, some traumatic flashbacks to stall decks like Snow White and MTG, I don't think that's ultimately what we're going to have, even if mill is a viable strategy in this game. I do think it'll be more on attack options or things like this where they're still promoting that uh, you know, board interaction. Yeah, I think that's very important. If you're just sitting there playing cards that make your opponent lose cards from the top of their deck, that's that's just not not super fun. So uh, hopefully we do have uh, you know, like you were saying, more of a more of a, a leaning towards, you know, having to do something first, a qualifier that lets you mill rather than just kind of like play a card, you mill. I don't think that there's any other archetype out there that makes players want to not play a game than mill. Every game I've ever played that had a mill strategy, it was be it uh, Cold Light Oracle and Hearthstone with Rogue, uh, bouncing that back and forth and drawing cards with Bran, would be it uh, uh, Nilfgaard and Gwent and mill in that game, uh, Magic, etc. It's it always is the most infuriating because it feels like you're just helpless, like you're not actually playing the game, you know. Hilton. <laughs> oh yeah yep i was gonna say control decks uh for me it's uh when when it's just like uh whenever i was in a situation where i play a card i'll counter that like, oh, i'll yeah. counter that i'm As like i that is my least favorite way to because you're not even playing at that point you're just like spending resources and then watching your cards not happen so please not, none of that too I just saw the meta breakdown for the upcoming uh, Magic World Championships and the amount of Esper midrange and Esper control I saw. I'm like, people are going to be pissed. (laughs) Yeah. It's the reason Uh, I only play Commander now, but I digress. (laughs) uh, So the last card, which is my favorite character of all time. So I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Go ahead, Charmer. Sabine! (laughs) Oh man, this was such a good week for me. So we got Sabine the leader (laughs) and then we turn around and we get just Sabine Ren explosive artist so the actual unit card as well this is a a two cost still aggression and heroism unit uh, on the ground obviously it has a two three stat line still maintains the mandalorian rebel inspector tags but it says while there are at least three aspects among other friendly units this unit can't be attacked unless she gains sentinel and then on attack you may deal one damage to the defender or to a base and i i adore that like little nuance i really really do because this actually calls back to what we were just talking about with the hardpoint blaster right uh 
being able to attack into a unit, because even when you're playing aggressive, your opponents might play things that you're going to need to respond to. Again, it might be those restore units, uh, might be sentinels that they're putting in your way, whatever the case may be. So you're going to want scenarios where you can still either go around the defender, whether that's, you know, with like saboteur or something like that, or through them, but through them safely. So when you have a card like Sabine, where on attack, you can deal one damage to the defender, Again, it's the on attack trigger, so you could potentially just attack into something with one health. Sabine survives, the enemy unit goes away, or you just guarantee that one damage that you want to get in there, which I think is really important. I also love the the other part because, again, it kind of calls to the theming. We were talking about maybe building your own Spectre, right? I imagine the crew for Spectre is going to be across a, a number of different... Uh, aspects with heroism as being like the one singular thing they're all around. Uh, we've already seen Kanan, obviously heroism vigilance. This is heroism aggression. Uh, it would not shock me if we get, you know, a heroism cunning Hera, for example, or something like that. So I think you're going to want to build your specter squad, if you will, around, you know, the three aspects as opposed to going maybe two into something like with a, a straight vigilance deck, like we were kind of just talking about, uh, and this gives you that payoff, right? Where you get to protect your Sabine. I was just saying that, you know, this is a game where they want you to attack back and forth. This is the first time outside of the Sentinel keyword where we've seen the ability to protect one of your units kind of innately. So I do think that this will ultimately be a pretty powerful ability. Uh, it's just an uncommon as well. So a very draftable, could be a limited bomb if you can just keep playing units and making her not being able uh, to be attacked. Revealed by yeah. TCG player. Uh, I just want to throw that in. There you go. Thank you, TCG player. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, how easy it is to play. I mean, uh, well, it shouldn't be too tough to play three aspects, but I wonder about it in limited. Yeah, it's, I, wonder. I mean, yeah, well, I like even the thing about it is Me like even bad. even without the three aspect uh, protection, I think that it's a it's a two, three for two that uh, on attack can have a ping you know ping your mm. opponent or ping your uh your, your the defending character i think that you know um, it's an uncommon again i think that this this is not bad i that, you know i this is not like an insta pick for me if i was looking at a you know there's going to be rares i think that are going to be utility rares or or kind of combo rares that you might look to the uncommons to draft something beforehand but ultimately, I think that this is a, a card that is more of a constructed card to me, and you're not upset about having this, um, yeah. you know, as your pack one, pick two or three. I think that this is perfectly fine. The limiting factor here for me is the double aspect part. I think that that's going to be tough for limited to play this um, because this is a four drop doesn't feel as great as if this is a two drop. Mm -hmm. For sure. I I also uh, when I when I see the Mandalorian tag, you know, obviously we saw Boba, uh, you know. Boba Fett spoiled already. Um, I I don't. I hope at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in this set. I kind of doubt it. But I hope in some point in the future we get to dive into the Mandalorian side and we have you know Din Djarin and all the other Mandalorians in like the the Enclave from the the Mandalorian show and you can build a theme around that too. I like theme decks. It's it's a it's a fun thing for me. It's how I like to play. So Mandalorian's another one I I might go for. Yeah, that'd be cool. And like that's the thing because that's what we're starting to see now because this can go in a Spectre deck or it can go in a Mandalorian theme deck, you know? Yeah. Or, or, or a Rebel or deck. Rebel deck. Yeah. Or a Rebel yeah, this, deck. This has all the tags. It's got everything. All the relevant, might, uh, you know, 
quote unquote good guy ones, I suppose. I was just going to say, we might at some point uh, down the road anyway, get a Sabine with the Jedi tag even, and then we'll have the, the full gamut. This is got to practice a lot more before we get there. I think we'll, <laughs> we'll see. This is what I love about this. This is what I love about this game so far is that there are so many characters that we have yet to uncover, but there are also so many other periods of characters that, we haven't seen yet we haven't seen like young luke we haven't or like we haven't seen like farm boy luke and we haven't seen jedi (laughs) master luke right Uh, we've seen kind of like the i guess the cloud city luke uh which is in between knight and master i guess um we've seen all kinds of different versions but we but like we also need uh oh no the sacred texts luke oh no the sacred texts I don't think we need that Luke. That's okay. That Luke was very sad and depressing. <laughs> we don't, I don't want to think of Luke like that. That Luke was dead inside. The, I would rather have the Luke that was in uh, like five minutes of the Kenobi show where he just says his job was to just kind of, you know, hang out. And Obi-Wan walks up to him and says, hello there. And that's it. That's good writing. That's that's Oscar material right there. Or Emmy material. I guess it's TV show. We don't know anymore. It all blends together. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, so the main topic of this episode was going to be certain things that FFG should avoid in order to ensure a successful game. But this, I think, uh, warrants a little bit of further discussion because the pack breakdown is more so than just statistics and drop rates, etc. It actually alludes to a lot more. And the information that we got from that stream was very helpful. So the first things first is let's break down what is uh in a pack and i think it's 16 cards i believe 16 cards that's right yeah uh, mm-hmm. who wants to uh, who is, wants to break this 16 down 16 cards uh i i will take this because there is one piece that i also want to mention and i was trying to ask during the stream and unfortunately xander said we're not ready to talk about that yet so i want to mention it here uh the pack breakdown 16 cards uh one rare or legendary so that occupies the the slot right it's either a rare card or it can kind of like upscale to a legendary Mm. three uncommons nine commons now if you are doing math that is only 13 of the 16 so far Uh, so the last three slots are a leader a base and then a foil slot and the foil can be of any rarity now the base and the leader slots they did say you know part of the reason they were including those in each of the packs is for limited reasons right you've got to have bases and leaders to play the game so of course we want to make sure packs always have that in it but what they also mentioned uh as far as like rarity stuff goes is that theoretically it is possible to get a triple like rare pack uh or legendary if we ever get like legendary you know bases or or leaders or things right so they were saying that uh because your base and your leader you know are those slots you could have one there and then you can also have one as your foil and then you could also have like the legendary just normal slot as well which i did think was kind of neat and interesting but what i was asking during the broadcast and what they 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 kindly told me you know not yet as i said i get that we have a a base and a leader in each pack right we're very accustomed to that as flesh and blood players here because we get the tokens in every pack and we use those when we draft so what i wanted to know is because we already know for a fact there are rare bases 
Uh, what I wanted to know is during draft, are we expected to draft our leaders and bases? Are we opening the packs and we keep the leaders and bases and then we draft the rest of the pack? Uh, or do we open them and keep them, but then we have access to any of the common leaders the same way you have access to any of the heroes in a flesh and blood set because they're technically tokens. I wanted to know for limited in general, right, whether you were stuck playing with what you opened or not, uh, but also with the case of draft, right, are we required to draft them? Because if you are, what happens if I just never pick a base? You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Uh, those were some of the questions I had. And, and he said, you know, we're not quite ready to talk about that. Um, and I wanted to get what your guys's uh, opinions were on that. Uh, for me, what I'm hoping for personally is that when you open your packs, you take your leader and your base out, you keep those, and then we draft the rest. Uh, the reason for that being, I don't want scenarios where you're required to draft it because you might have somebody who, uh, for lack of a better term, just suicide bombs your draft. They're like, hey, I'm not going to win, but I'm going to take every base that comes in front of me and somebody will go without as a result. Like, mm. uh, the, other, the other reason that I hope that you get to, uh, you know, open and then keep those things, and, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but some of the chase cards, because they did reveal stuff we're now looking for in the anatomy of a pack, uh, are in those slots as well, right? And so the last thing you want to do is like, open something really, really cool. And then, you know, like yeah. you're forced to pick that as opposed to the rest of your draft, et cetera. So I personally hope that the model they go with is you open your pack, you get to keep the leader in the base. That's like your pool or whatever. And then you draft the rest. But I wanted to know what you guys had as far as opinions, uh, since we don't know yet. Well, oh boy, I, I mean, I've said before, I'm not like a huge limited fan. So so I feel like I don't I'm not the greatest person to share an opinion on this just because I haven't been a huge, you know, player of those types of formats in any of the card games really that I've played. Um, but, you know, if if I were to play it, which I'm sure I will for this, you know, maybe this will be the game that finally gets me to love limited. But like uh, I I'm kind of on the side of what you were saying, where it's like, you know, you keep your base and your leader. And you kind of play off that. I, I think that would be the simplest way to do it. I wonder if you would run into situations where um, it pigeonholes you too much into picking certain cards. And so it kind of takes away the idea of a draft altogether. You know, I would worry about that scenario happening if that were the case. Um, I like the idea as well as if maybe everybody throws their leaders and bases into sort of a community pile like you do with your tokens and flesh and blood and then you just you can play any of the common leaders if you uh, happen to open a not common leader or not common base then you make the choice do you keep it or do you pass it on you know and uh you know if it's like a uh you know if it's a common leader but it's a chase version of it then you just get to keep it because that's just you know that's yeah just good so the, i think so i was gonna say you so could have the, different caveats with that too well so the downside on if you put all the common leaders into like a community pile and then you only like you know keep or pass or whatever the the rares um you'll have uneven pack distributions as far as the picks go right because, yeah, you know, if you've got a pot of eight and two people opened uh, a rare base, for example, then you're going to have two packs that are bigger than the rest in that mm -hmm. scenario. Um, but I also have the same fear that you do. Right. And I was wondering if one of you guys was going to call that out, which is 
Um, if you are required to play with just the ones that you've opened, uh, especially with draft, then it might pigeonhole your draft, right? Like what happens if, you know, you have three packs, but you open the same common leader for all three, right? Like It's like you're just not, playing a worse version of sealed at that point because you, right. you might not get all the cards for your leaders, you know, and then what do you, then what do you do, yeah. you know? This this is the yeah, yeah and this is going to be a challenge again that I'm glad that I'm not the one who has to make the decisions but that I had the exact same thought as you charmer because the first thing that comes to mind is uh, okay you just put the to- you keep the tokens it's like in flesh and blood you keep the cold foil the cold foil is an undraftable slot if you do manage to open it but it's like a one in per box kind of situation this isn't the case this is mm-hmm. a one per pack in my opinion if you if you force your your uh, if you force the players to keep the leader in the base. Then, like you said, this then influences your decisions on how you're drafting. I like to go mm. into a draft wherein I don't know what I'm going to do for the first... I don't know what I'm playing for the first five, six, seven picks until I have to sort of eventually hone down into a certain degree. That's at least from a flesh and blood flesh and blood standpoint. Because I know that at the end of the day, I can choose whatever leaders and whatever, whatever uh, token leaders and token weapons are available to me. They're just... They're granted. You can have them. They're free, right? In this case you know there's it's it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because if you open the packs and like you said you open three leas and three of the same bases well shoot okay your decision's kind of made you're going to be drafting alongside those aspects but on the other side if you're passing them along and somebody wants to be a complete dick then they're going to just draft all the leaders because they think it's hilarious then Mm. there are going to be players who what's the rule set there do you are you limited to commons uh you know it's very yeah fascinating one of the other things that they did talk about uh on the stream was that the backside of the bases all have uh, a token on it right it's either like a shield token an experience token whatever so Mm. because of that what I'm leaning toward, and this is what I hope, is that when you open the pack, you do get to keep your leaders and bases because how else would you pass them, right? You're like, you'd have to do the flesh and blood thing where you have to put them like in the pack when you open a two-sided card um, because they're both two-sided. The leaders are guaranteed two-sided. The bases are guaranteed two-sided. So that already makes it awkward. Um, but what I think would be an interesting proposition would be Uh, You always have the choice from any common leader and any common base. And if you open a rare or whatever, what if they're just not draft like legal? Well, what if they balanced the game? game, Well, sure. But like, what if they balanced the game around the fact that like the rare leaders aren't meant for limited anyway? I I would suspect that like, look, like I think that the the common bases, maybe the, the rare slot, can be a base you know it doesn't have to be in the quote-unquote base slot i think that the i think that there's tokens and then like think about it this way from a flesh and blood perspective if you open a pack of monarch and you get like a dread scythe it's a it's a majestic it's draftable it's not a token weapon it passes around there are gonna be players who want it and players who don't want it and ultimately it's gonna fall on if there's a rare base that you open in pack three but it's not within your aspect range you might pass it along and you might keep the tokens out of there i look again we're gonna all figure this out eventually well i think i think i I think i solved it all right here's here's my here's my answer for it is that you you keep your bases and leaders but there is also like an additional stockpile that the store has of all the common bases and leaders so you still have access to all the common stuff but if you open something rare you get to play that too if you want to if if nothing else you get to keep it yeah um that because we know there's going to be one in every pack so we know that like 
I can't imagine a store that wouldn't have a surplus of this kind of stuff. Plus, I mean, if it's just tokens anyway, essentially, then, you know, Fantasy Flight can just send packs out to stores of this stuff to support limited formats. Um, and you're not sending anything super rare out the door, right? So to me, after thinking about it while you're both talking about it, that seems like the answer to me is you keep your your leaders and bases, but there's also a community, uh, you know, just a store pool of stuff to use on the common side. That's what Flesh and Blood does. Like anything yep, yeah. that's token related, yeah. you just go up to the counter and say, I need a Dorinthia and I need her Dawnblade. Yep. And it's like, cool, no problem. And oftentimes, like, I mean, what happens is at a draft, everybody tosses their all their tokens in the center and then it's like once everybody's decks done everybody's like fishes through them is like hey who know who anybody here have a, an extra kadachi everyone here has a have a yeah. romping club or whatever like you uh, usually don't even need to use anything from the store in that situation there's yeah. usually enough tokens and to plus do that. the amount of times I've, oh. I've used a cracked bobble as like to represent my weapon is just understood by the players saying like hey yeah. this is this is a, a an anathos i just we didn't have a token for it people are like who cares we know what it does um mm. that's my suspicion is that's precisely how it's going to go. It's just you pull them out and you have access to all the token versions of the heroes and whatever. And if you do open a rare and you do open a leader or whatever, it's draftable. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's how it goes. Or uh, you just keep it, you're saying. So the other part of this that I thought was interesting is uh, what is sort of the the narrative or the rather the direction of, of distribution in these packs that uh, has kind of changed over time where it used to be as this is listed you know x amount of commons uh you know x amount of uncommons and then the rare spot and now flesh and blood does like okay well now it's two rares per pack or two rares or better per pack even magic now is having packs that have two rares in them on occasion um two rares or better in in certain packs so this is a little bit more of a callback to traditional pack distribution which is you have one one hit in, in any pack it's uh on, of, outside of the foil slot right so the foil slot might be well, well, or I, I know what you're gonna say <laughs> okay there are hyperspace cards so theoretically any slot can be you know a chase version of that card which i'm sure you'll put it up on the screen uh, for the people watching but the they're very cool actually i was very interested to see what they were gonna do for the you know chase uh card alternate art visual things and i really like what they're doing kind of kind of borderless but having this cool sort of hyperspace effect that sort of uh creates some action around the center of your card so uh, i like it i think this is a very elegant way to uh, to do the borderless stuff um and then man like we we got to talk about the showcase stuff holy uh. cow well, the, the one day before I was going to say before we jump down, because I love sure. them, I do also just want to remind people there are hyperspace versions of every card. So commons, yeah. uncommons, rares, legendaries, but also they did confirm that there are also foil versions of every card and foil hyperspace versions that of every cool. card. Oh. So now we know, I guess, that the 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 gen con exclusive ones were the hyperspace versions of these leaders uh with the the stamp on it of course but you know now we know what this uh, art treatment is very cool oh but the best part about this is how i think we all discussed this is just how 
how broke we're all gonna go i like i am the type where i know that <laughs> if it's han solo related i need the best version but that but it, it, it ends there but there are gonna be players out there who are like this is my deck this is what i'm known for this is what i want to bling out to the max and if that's the case it is going to be one hell of a journey for these players to full bling out their deck because it's not about getting the foil version. It's not about getting the hyperspace version. It's not even perhaps about getting the foil hyperspace version. It might be about the next thing. Yeah. Which is, yeah, well, that's uh, popping up right now on the screen. It's going to be these showcase cards as well. So... These are essentially the, this is the golden ticket, as it were, are these types of cards, which I think are brilliant. This is something that we all discussed uh, as being what we wanted to see in terms of chase cards. We didn't want chase cards to be the powerful cards. We wanted the chase cards to be hidden behind a different aesthetic. We wanted aesthetics to be what people are hunting for, not for the power and the rarity of cards that they need to be to be played leia organa uh, is a common leader showcase leia is an awesome looking card but is probably going to be on everyone's wish list when they're opening boxes yeah and uh one of one in 12 boxes will have a, a showcase card so that's uh that is pretty slim right but i i yeah. like it i love chase stuff like this because doesn't stop anyone from playing Leia if they want to play competitively, right? They can they can get that common leader card. But when you're playing and you see one of those on the other side of the table, or when you open one, it's gonna be a big deal. And and I think that's that's so cool that we've got that in card games, because that, that didn't exist when I started playing card games. There were no foils. There were no alternate or anything, unless there was like a printing error, you know? It was just <laughs> Blue the hurricane. Card. Yep, there weren't even rarity symbols on cards back, uh, you know, when, oh, when, yeah. when I started, when dinosaurs yeah. roamed the earth. But now we've got all this cool stuff. So it is an event when you open one of these uh, or when you see one across the table from you. It's it's very cool. So I'm excited about uh, seeing one of these, you know, in person at some point. Uh, I just wanted to say that they did confirm that these are foils, right? All the showcases are foils. And what they mm -hmm. said was that these have a special foil treatment. Uh, so cold I'm foiling, very, baby. I'm very excited to see whatever that is, uh, whether it's cold foiling or something else. There's actually been a lot of advancements as far as trading cards go lately and what you can do with foils. But I also just really love that they didn't just go full art. It's completely alternate art. And yeah. they went with unique templating, right? So what they did is they changed the entire format of the card. So when you see this, it's exactly like what Doa said, like this will pop, like this will be an eye catcher, whether you're pulling it from a pack or you're sitting down across from it at the table, which I uh, adore. But the fact that we know that they're for the leaders means I already know that I am well on my way to spending way too much on a Sabine. Uh, I also wanted to commend them for what they were doing with the hyperspace stuff, because uh, I do know that there are a large number of people out there who, uh, when they play games, they don't like foil versions of cards, right? Uh, when they did this hyperspace thing, I thought, okay, well, maybe it'll only be the foil ones. But the fact that we're going to have regular hyperspace and foil ones means if you're like me and you do like foils, then we're going to be tracking those down. But if you are like some of the other people I know who just are vehemently against foils well 
you don't have to have them. I'm okay with it being on the showcase cards because that's a you know that's a leader, so it's not going to be shuffled into your deck. But if you're somebody who is also worried about organized play, right? Because we know about the warping issues with many games with foils. Mm-hmm. Well, you can still bling out your deck and not have to worry about the foil thing if you just want to go all hyperspace. So to me, I just I wanted to kind of give that shout out because what they've done is they've given us a lot of options and player expression is always good. Uh, I just I'm not looking forward to my one in, you know, 288 packs, you know, assuming it's 24 packs per box. Uh, that's what you're looking at for a showcase. <laughs> and then I have to hope it's Sabine on top of it. Well, that's the issue, right? It's like it's not just about the one in twelve boxes. It's the it's of how many other options that you might pick. And you're right about yeah. the the hyperspace aspect because people who who might wonder like, well, how can you not want foils? Well, from a competitive perspective, it's a liability uh, because um, foils. That's the other question here: is what is the what is the card will stock? It bend? Gonna, will it bend? Yeah, it, will it yeah. pringle? And uh, just to give people an idea of what happened, th- I think there was an event that happened uh, in, I think it was Toronto. It was like a, a regional magic event that um, uh, our, our friends at Harry Tarantula here in Toronto, like Dave Rude and them, they played a match and it was sealed. So basically they showed up to the tournament, they opened six packs and they made a deck out of those six packs. There was a player playing against, I think it was Team Harry Tarantula. One of the players got a game loss because the judge said that he had a marked card. And the marked card was a foil that had already begun bending and already begun curling. Can you believe that? That the dude showed up and was playing for, like... It was a high. It was a high enough stakes because Harry Tranchel, I think, went undefeated. So it was late into the day. So they were playing a pretty high stakes game against them, and one of the dudes got a game loss because the card out of the pack was already quote unquote considered marked. So it's a concern for me, but also the fact that you can just say, you know what, screw foils, hyperspace cards, or how I'm gonna bling out my deck. That is a very clever alternative for what. Uh, what you said, Charmer, is player expression, which is a term that I don't think I've ever used in terms of card gaming, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I, I think uh, you two pretty much covered it. I, I'm i thrilled with the, the art side of the game uh, uh, in terms of the card treatment. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but, uh, you know, it, it exceeded my expectations. So, yeah. I think it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the stuff looks in hand, you know? I mean, that's that's the thing, is is you always have to wait and see how does the card look in my hand when I'm holding it, but uh, at least, you know, the at the very least, the showcase stuff is going to look pretty awesome, I think. And uh, we're wrapping this up with just the statistical elements to the the packs and the drop rates and such so that charmer can uh, basically figure out precisely how much money he's going to be spending on finding (laughs) that uh, showcase sabine so uh in ascending order there's uh foil cards foil cards are one per pack i think that's pretty standard i think every every game i think now is doing that Pretty much every card game does that yeah uh the hyperspace cards this is actually a lot better than I thought. Um, it's one per pack and a half, essentially. It's two per three packs. So hmm. you're going to be getting a ton of these. It's good. It makes a, yeah. it makes a, the game very tradable. I mean, it is a TCG. It is a trading card game. But getting this many of them will let people do a lot of trading. It's like, oh, I need this one for my deck. Oh, I need this one for my deck. And and I like that. I like that sort of player interaction where you have this wheeling and dealing going on outside, you know, of the just the competitive side. 
one of the things that I really liked that they said on the live stream as well, and one of their reasons for doing the hyperspace stuff was that they kind of know what we all know if you've played enough card games, which is you open a pack and depending on the set, you know exactly where to jump to to see if you got a good card or not, and you ignore the rest of the pack. Mm. And so what they've done with these hyperspace cards now is because it can be any slot, any rarity, well, now you're going one by one through the pack, right? So you kind of get that enjoyment start to finish as opposed to, well, I jumped to, you know, the last card in the pack. It wasn't what I was going for. Next pack, please. Yeah. Next one is the one that I was the most concerned about. And I'm I'm actually very, very satisfied with this drop rate. It's legendary cards will be one in eight packs. So it's about three per box, which is lagging behind. Like I would equate this to what a mythic is in magic or a majestic is in flesh and blood. But it's still lagging behind on drop rates, I think, because I think currently in a box of flesh and blood, you'll probably pull about six to eight majestics. So you're you're only getting three per box uh, of these legendaries. But again, in comparison to Magic, you only need to play three. And uh, we shall see how price essentially equates into what this drop rate is. But I was afraid that legendaries were one per box, in which case that was going to be a colossal mistake. I, I do wish that these were more one in six packs. I wish it was four per box. But that's kind of where we're at they might change it down the road we'll see how this this happens yeah. but this is i think that this is this is this is okay we also don't know how many total there will be right if we're talking about you know 10 15 total legends in the first set then is that as bad as you know we're flesh and blood you'll have 40 majestics in a yeah. set sometimes which you need three of right so i think that's going to be a big part of it for me is like we don't know how many legendary cards will be in this first set and while three per box doesn't seem that great as you said right you only need three of any legendary for a deck and the decks are also only 50 cards so i, I think we're ultimately going to land in a in a pretty similar spot as far as acquisition but uh we just we don't know how many there are total that was my yeah. biggest, uh, that, that still remains one of my biggest criticisms about uh, Flesh and Blood product is that, and I said this, and I said it right to Brian Gottlieb, who's their senior game designer. I said, I'm like, dude, I'm like, Dust Till Dawn has something like, what is it, like 30, 30 something Majestics in it? I'm like, that's, uh, that's uh, borderline unreasonable, given the fact that, you know, like it just seems, but you're right, if, there, if there's... Uh. I see. I thought I thought that was way too low, Flake. Uh, Dusk till dawn, according to the Flesh and Blood website, has fifty six majestics. All right. Well, then I was completely way off. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I is, was, you know, I was wondering lately because I was like, I feel like I'm just not getting a lot of playsets of majestics. And like, okay. So that explains it. If it's one yeah. in eight packs, <laughs> I mean, let's say you get so you get one per one per aspects. That's six. I would imagine that you're gonna get probably another two per aspect that maybe some of them are shared so maybe i don't know what are you getting here like is is 24 to 32 that's math yeah i don't want to do the math but it's math i don't do math just keep it dude like just keep it within like you know under under like in the 20 like 20 ish range i think is is digestible but mm-hmm. again that's just me um one in 15 packs if you want a hyperspace rare or legendary so 
you're getting like what here six per case six to eight per case we don't that's just it we don't know how many boxes are in a case all right Mm -hmm. (laughs) right is it four boxes per case like flesh and blood or is it like 12 per case like a, a bandai card game it could be because you know we're getting to the bottom and that had me raising some questions because oh. uh, that showcase rate, as we said earlier already, is exactly one in 12 boxes. So oh, is that... No. So that means hmm. a case is going to be 12? I don't I don't know. I'm just pointing out. It could be... That could be like a fable in Flesh and Blood, right? It might be once every three cases. Or it could be one a case if it's a 12-box case. We don't know. Hmm. But that, that did cross my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't know how we big the know. orders are going to be. We do know that that Flake will never open one. Oh, he's son of a he will bitch. never open a showcase rare in his entire life. He's saving he has... all of his energy for this. He'll never open oh, a fable on Flesh and Blood. Oh, okay. He's going to open, like, day one, he's going to open oh. three showcases. There... Like, that's a much more glass half full view of it. I, I like that. There is a hero out there who <laughs> is uh, uh, in out there fighting for me who has said, listen, your odds have doubled because whether you open the hyperspace Han or I open it, I will send it to you because uh, wow. that somebody has gone on the record as saying that, and uh, I don't want to out them for their generosity so that they don't get you know hounded by everyone else. But it is out there, so I am uh, there's there's twice my odds have gone from zero to to, to slightly better than zero. <laughs> so we're getting there. Uh, Foil heist per space rares or legendaries are one in 50 packs. So maybe one in two boxes ish, I think. And yeah, assuming standard two boxes is 48 packs. So just slightly less than one every two boxes. But I still think that's honestly a pretty solid rate for a foil hyperspace rare or legendary. Yeah. And the last one, which we've already told you about, which is the showcase one in 12 boxes. This is going to be. Um, this is going to be the chase card. Uh, it's those beautiful showcase, uh, showcase. I guess they're only leaders is my suspicion. Um, beyond that though, I asked in that stream, I said, are there any hidden chase cards, any hidden variants, any treasures that you're not telling us about or that you, you don't plan to reveal because you want the community to just discover it and share it and they they said no that this is showcases mm. essentially the top tier of what what they'll be there's nothing beyond legendary in terms of rarity and from what i understand showcase is the most rare of items that you can open there's no uh one of one gold encrusted luke's lightsaber thing or anything like that yeah there's no yeah. d23 promo <laughs> there you go oh boy all right so uh let's just wrap this up real quick in in your in your final assessment how would you evaluate this pack breakdown how are you liking what what you're getting out of a pack uh, i'm a sucker for opening packs already and i'm trying not to be because i'm trying to be more frugal because i'm having to buy a lot of diapers now uh having a three-month-old man just goes through a lot of diapers. What can I, I wanted to make sure people knew it like was for my baby and not like for me or something. <laughs> no, I want to specify that. Anyway, my point is is that uh, I I'm excited about this because uh, you know just the fact that you can get a hyperspace card with any any slot in the pack like it's going to be really fun to open the packs and 
I'm sure I'm going to open a lot of them. Um, my daughter may never go to college, but at least she'll have a lot of cool Star Wars cards to inherit someday. She'll be rich from all the showcase cards that you open. <laughs> they, Dude, they are like these evil geniuses. I'm going to put this picture up again of uh, of Danny Schaefer and his maniacal stare because in that big brain of his, I'm sure he was like, let's put that chase card in any slot so that they can just open all the packs and it's like that's i guess it, it like from a marketing standpoint i mean i'm I, you got me i don't buy flesh and blood anymore i i usually just play in events and and get cards that way but holy moses this is something that i'm gonna be that I, like i'm gonna squirrel away all my monies because i want to just sit in my in my apartment watching star wars ripping packs or the other option is we all get together and we have a big box opening party yeah. for, for the 50,000 cases that Charmer's going to buy looking for. All right. So here's, here's my train of thought. Cause I love everything they've done as far as the distribution goes. I think that they have hit the right balance of collectability and also accessibility. And I really like the hyperspace stuff because like I said, when they said, we want you to care about every slot in the pack, I think this is a great step forward. And it also doesn't mean that they're gonna stop here, right? We might see more iterations on this stuff in future sets, uh, but I like what I've seen so far. So uh, we need to make sure when the stuff finally comes out that we have our emergency, we're off the rails button, mm -hmm. right? So we're gonna need packs for that. I absolutely agree. We need to get together and do like a, a box opening party, maybe uh, also some booster drafts stream or it. seals or something. Uh, we can stream it, put it up on YouTube, the whole shebang. So we need to do that. Uh, I also think that, you know, we should, I don't know whether it's to start a, a, a Patreon or I don't know, a GoFundMe, but we need to get Doa a surplus of packs and then he should be allowed to open one every time he changes a diaper right because huh. he's doing the right thing he's being a good oh, father and then he needs a little treat right treat yourself so you you change a diaper and then you open a pack i think you deserve it well thanks i i appreciate that 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 means a lot um you know uh having a, a happy baby in a clean diaper is it's it's his own reward but opening packs is is nice too i'll take it yeah. my son loves this game he played it so much at gen con he is dying for this you know what i just awesome. realized is going to happen 100 this is what's going to happen i am going to buy stark his own stuff to open and participate and play and he's going to open a showcase sabine mm -hmm. he's not going to trade it to you either no he won't. no no it's he would not now. he absolutely <laughs> would not this is what I've, I've accepted that this is what's going to happen to me well it's not going to be me, so yeah, who cares? You know, like I, that, that's that's where we're at. But my well, kid's too young for a, for a few sets at least, you know. So I'm safe there for a while. As yeah. as long as one of us opens it. Uh, <laughs> so the one thing that we did miss is that, um, and this is on me. I forgot to pick the winner for the giveaway of the Young Jedi pack. Oh. We'll do that for next episode. That's on me. And uh, what I'll do is that winner. What? What? We also forgot something else. What? While we don't know what it does, when they did the pack stuff on the stream, we know there's Thrawn key art. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they wouldn't put him on the boosters if he wasn't in the right. set, you'd imagine. I'm surprised I mean, they didn't use my version. Again, but I, your version? Oh, yeah, you weren't there for that. When Charmer and I were creating our custom cards, I did one. I'm oh. going gonna, gonna to drop it in the chat so you can see how absolutely... <laughs> 
delicious this uh i'm sad sad i missed this oh gosh you you are sad you missed it because this is just graphic design is his passion (laughs) and uh, i'm not gonna get my wato uh card for a while i guess huh oh man where is this uh this was a while ago my goodness was this episode was getting longer and longer it It was was four i think uh it's very early I, I'm trying to find where we created our own our own nonsense, but it was uh, definitely a while ago. It was either four or six. Well, uh, send it to me later. Yeah. Either way, the um, the artwork that that we put together was uh, cobbled together to say the least. Nonetheless, it was. Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, it's in it's in the chat. That is my version of Thrawn uh, for oh, wow. my, as my custom well, as my custom card. So I'm a little bit blue. upset that they didn't. This should be the showcase, frankly. <laughs> of grand admiral Thrawn, yeah. heir to the empire but that is that is beautiful thank yeah. you uh all right so on that note uh i'm gonna ask you this question charmer when you when you open all four of your cases and you did not open that sabine but you look at stark and that one pack that he found behind the couch and he looks at you after he opens it with this big grin on his face what do you say I know I'm supposed to say I have a bad feeling about this, but I say you're disowned. You need to find a foster family. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I would say I have a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about okay. it. Quiet. Both, both seem uh, appropriate to me. I mean, yeah, I, Uncle Flake will always take him in. Stark's a good boy, and um, he'll bring me the Sabine. That's That's where... <laughs> frozen in carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me the Sabine. <laughs> Bring Sabine to me. All right, let's get to the bad feeling mailbag. Again, thank you so much to everybody who submitted your questions. You can do so by um, emailing Wampa Radio Podcast at gmail.com, tweeting at us at Wampa Radio and whatnot. Uh, we love to get your questions. And this one is in the mailbag and through our email from Stephen Duke. Uh, Duek, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly. Nonetheless, question asks, Hey Flake, Charmer, and Doa, I'm loving the podcast. Just found it this week and pretty much caught up on most episodes. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. Um, wow. That is very kind. But there was a question attached. What do you think is the potential for cube drafting and cube play? Thank you, Steven. Oh, boy. Um, I, this might just be a Charmer question because I know that you don't like draft and limited doa i i'm not a fan of cube because i don't like hyper powered formats i i find that hyper powered formats are very they're very like i don't say linear but it's like okay i'm gonna do all the big things and it doesn't feel special i like draft and limited because you have to make the best with what garbage that you may get but that's just me all right charmer so i'm gonna give this to you allow me to appeal to both of you yes Okay. okay i think that there is potential when we get a couple of sets in i don't think that there's going to be a lot of potential in the first set i would say just draft the first set you don't need to build anything special for that but what i would love to see is when we get you know a couple of sets in or we've hit a couple of different eras uh theme based cubes where you assemble cubes based around the prequels or you know the this era that this first set is supposed to be but we might get some stuff sprinkled in throughout or you know, what we would maybe call like expanded universe, like the Disney plus shows, whatever. Right. I think that with all of the 
different ways that this intellectual property can be represented in a card game. And, you know, we were talking about that earlier where we have a lot of characters we haven't seen a card for, let alone different eras, different versions of these characters. So when we get a couple of sets down the road, you know, when we're hitting set four, set five, I think that we have a lot of potential for some very fun theme based cubes. So it's not necessarily the hyper powered stuff, but like, what if you just want to do something fun? Even with the first set, I think like you could do, you know, what if it's just, you know, not not mains, for example, right? Like, what if it's just TIE fighters and stormtroopers and rebels, yeah. right? Uh, or the other way around, right? What if it's only uniques or what if it's uh, no Jedi? What if it's just Jedi versus, uh, versus Sith cube? Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that you could tailor it. And the beauty is with the aspect system and everything else they've already done for just the regular draft and regular sealed experience, I think that it won't be hard to create these cubes, right? So I, I think there will be a lot of ways where you can do whatever you want for your own playgroup. Yeah, you don't need to convince me about cubes. I've I've always thought they sounded cool. I never I've never gotten to draft a cube actually, so I haven't had the the pleasure. But uh, that is a type of draft that I actually think sounds kind of fun because there's like a given theme for it, you know. Um, so I haven't done it, but yeah, I think you're totally right. I think as more sets get released, I don't think we're going to be doing it anytime soon, but. You know, who knows what the future holds, you know? Uh, that's a good question is what does the future hold for the game? When's it going to get released? What does the organized play program look like? Well, the next order of business is going to be September 27th when we learn about the products of the game. So that does it for another episode of Wampa Radio where I think that we we definitely uh, took the scenic route on this one. We went all over the place and uh, yes. it was a lot of fun, but... I will, again, say thank you to everybody who's listening. Thank you very much. If you want to reach out to the podcast, you can do so on Twitter at Wampa Radio, WampaRadioPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I am at WatchFlake on Twitter, at GGDoa, and at ThatCharm3R. All three of us can be reached. And... I think that does it. I guess um, now's a good chance to also, we've, we've been getting a lot of positive reviews on all the different platforms, and that is incredible. And I want to say thank you for that because it is it is essentially what puts us uh, in sort of the right, the right algorithmic stream to help us grow and uh, to help us do our thing. So thank you for that. If you haven't already, please, a five-star review and a hit a subscribe here on YouTube. We love you very much. Okay, Charmer, um, my man, my man, I, I don't know what else to say, so just take her in nice and gentle, land it safely, we all want to go home, we got diapers to change, so let's make it happen. Roger, roger. Oh, I mean, may the force be with you. <laughs>